0: Managing your law practice can be challenging. Marketing, time management, attracting clients, and all the things besides the cases that you need to do that aren't billable. Welcome to this edition of the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. This is where you'll get the information you need from expert guests and host Christopher Anderson here on Legal Talk Network. Welcome to the Unbillable Hour,
1: the law practice advisory podcast helping attorneys achieve more success. We're glad you can listen today on the Legal Talk Network. I am your host, Christopher Anderson, and I am an attorney with a singular passion for helping other lawyers be more successful with their law firm businesses. My team at How to Manage a Small Law Firm and I work directly with lawyers across the country to help them achieve success as they define it. In the Unbillable Hour, each month we explore an area important to growing revenues giving you back more of your time, and or improving your professional satisfaction in one of the key areas of your business. As an attorney myself who has built and managed my own law firm in Georgia and New York City, I now get to work with hundreds of law firm owners to help them grow professionally and personally. I start with the fundamental promise that a law firm business exists primarily to provide for the financial, personal, and professional needs of you, its owner. In this program I have a chance to speak to you as I do in presentations across the country about what it takes to build and operate your law firm like the business that it is. I have a chance to introduce you to a new guest each month to talk about how to make that business work for you instead of the other way around. And before we get started, I do want to say a thank you to our sponsor, Answer 1. Answer 1 is a leading virtual receptionist and answering services provider for lawyers. You can find out more by giving them a call at 800-ANSWER-1, that's 800-ANSWER-1, or online at www.answer1.com. That's again, www, then the dot sign, answer, the number one, dot com. And today's episode of the Unbillable Hour is The Legal Technology Mindset. One of the topics I cover in these shows is the physical plant. And the physical plant of your law firm includes all the tools that the people who work in your business need to run the production line, even if those people are just you. That is to get the work done. There are about 16 jobs in every single law firm business, even if you're doing a lot of them, and you shouldn't be doing most of them. Some of these tasks you must delegate to people, and some, in fact, more and more can be handled by technology. There are a very small number of things that are the highest and best use of your time. From the rest, you must liberate yourself. It is axiomatic that the most value you can bring to your business while you're working in it is the least amount you could pay somebody else or something else to do that thing competently. By that, I mean to your standards. And my guest today is Tom Lambot. Tom works with attorneys who use Apple computers in their law firm businesses. His company is called Global Mac IT, and they take care of everything IT-related, letting their clients focus on building their business. His company is in their 10th year and is the only company in the world that invests 100% of their resources supporting Mac-based law firms, with five or more users all across the country. And we're going today to discuss the technology mindset scorecard that he has created on how your mindset towards technology can affect your overall law firm operations and business profitability. We aren't here to convince you that you must use a Mac to have a successful business, but it is important to think about technology as a key part of your physical plant that will empower you to unleash the value that you and your people can deliver to your clients and your business. So... Let's get started with the legal technology mindset. Tom Lambott, welcome to the Unbillable Hour. Thank you, Chris. Thank you for being here, I really appreciate it. So first of all, my introduction of you was was really brief. I gave a long introduction of the topic, but a very short of you. I did say that you run a business called Global Mac IT. What does your business actually do for law firm owners?
2: So the, the fancy answer is that our mission is to provide leadership and direction to transform law firm operations and boost their profits by leveraging the technology. The simple answer is that we take over everything IT-related for a law firm and systematically remove the bottlenecks within their operations and their systems, improve all their security and workflows, and then focus on ways to increase their productivity by implementing the best technology solutions.
1: Okay, so the bottom line is you take the, the business owners out of being the IT managers.
2: Exactly, and I put them okay. back at doing the higher ROI activities they should be working on.
1: Now, I was fascinated when I, when I learned about you, and one of the reasons I asked you to be on the show was that I am a Mac guy. I have been a Mac guy since literally, no kidding, 1984. The school that I went to had a Macintosh initiative back then, and I've never looked back. Um, and so my law firms that I've run have been Mac-focused, never Mac-only, but you're a Mac-only IT group. How big a market is there really? Like, Are, are a lot of law firms using Macs now?
2: So most people, when they hear what we do, they think that my market's tapped out when we've got you know 37 <laughs> Mac-using law firms out there. Uh, there's actually a lot more than most people would think. The ABA has an annual legal tech survey titled Tech Report, and last year the numbers showed that 8.1% of attorneys are using Macs in their practice overall, and 15.5% of solos are using Macs in their practice. So when you compare that to the you know total numbers of attorneys that's about 75,000 mac using solo attorneys and about 5,000 attorneys in firms with two or more attorneys and this is just continuing to grow you know I hear all the time about schools and the graduating classes how high the percentages of mac users and these are all the new attorneys coming into the field every year so I'm I'm definitely hopeful for the future
1: yeah that's great I'm so happy that it's only taken 32 years for, <laughs> for yeah. Max to become mainstream. Yeah, yeah. Actually, it's been happening a lot for the past 10 years. But so when you're working with prospective law firms, as we've talked about, this show is going to really be talking about the legal technology mindset and about this this uh, mindset scorecard that you've got. You don't come in talking about you know, routers and, and network cables and uh, operating systems. You're talking about mindset. Um, that's not what normally, I think, a lot of our listeners come to expect from an IT company. Tell me a little bit about that. How have you come to this methodology?
2: So, the, the average IT company, when we first you know started up, I did what everyone else was doing, and I spent five hours doing a detailed network analysis on site and looking under their in their network closet and doing all that stuff, and then quoting specific hardware that they need, and it's and, and all this, but that wasn't what's important. What I feel and what I've learned is the most important is that your mindset creates your behavior. And just because a client is using Max in their practice does not mean that they're a good client for us. So what I've learned over the years is that having Max is just the minimum system requirements, kind of like in an old video game where it says one megabyte of RAM needed, but you know you really need four for it to work. So what we figured out is in order to provide the most value to our clients, we need to find the right clients that have the right mindset because the mindsets that exist within the attorney and partners and their staff is one of the most valuable resources. You know, entrepreneurism was d- described by Jean-Baptiste Say as taking resources from a lower level to a higher level of productivity and greater yield. So the different range of mindsets that you can run into are a resource, but if you're not conscious of where they are, they're very likely to a very low level of productivity. So once I get a good feel of where their mindset is. You know, Are they an attorney that's trying to use their Macs for seven years and upgrade the RAM and the hard drive to get a little bit more time? So they just spent three hours upgrading a hard drive instead of doing billable work, right? That's half the cost of the Mac. So someone with that mindset typically is not a good client for us because they're not really trying to leverage technology in the right way to maximize their, their kind of results in their business.
1: And actually, that's an interesting take, right? So, what you're basically saying is, listen, if you, prospective client, don't have a mindset to maximize your value to the business, like I was saying, I think in the intro, you know, I was saying that one of the axioms of business is that uh, the most value you can bring to your business is the least amount you could pay someone or something else to do that job. So, for instance, if you're answering the phone when someone calls um that doesn't have an appointment to speak with you you are doing the job of a receptionist and a good competent receptionist might cost you 15 bucks an hour and so that's the most value you can bring to your firm being a receptionist is 15 bucks an hour instead of 300 350 450 that you might be able to bill as an attorney and what you're saying i think and what you're seeing is that if people have that mindset that they need to answer their own phone or they need to as you said install their own ram to save another 6 months of life on a computer they're probably not Giving the most value for their time in their law firm, which might end up making them a client that doesn't pay their bills.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, you get a lot of a lot of the wrong fit clients. I believe one of the most important part of sales is to find who is not a good prospect for you most people work so hard trying to get everyone to sign up they don't focus on saying hey who is not a good fit because those are the clients that end up being eighty percent of the stress eighty percent of the headaches the ones that only sign up for your service because they have to and they have no other choice as opposed to the clients that say hey this makes sense this seems like a really smart decision i'm gonna get a lot of value out of this so let's hire an expert outsource this, get it off my desk, and have them strengthen my overall team, right? As opposed to something Mickey Deming discussed on last month's call from Kahuna Accounting is people deal with accounting just to do the bare minimum, you know? And when you're approaching, when you have that mindset, things are going to be set up in a certain way, you know, that you can pretty much count on all the time. So by finding the right mindset and helping the clients see where they are and where they want to go, we can help really find the best clients and it doesn't mean they have to be perfect. I mean of, of course not, but if they can say, "Hey, this is where I am now and this is where I want to go, then we can come back and say, "Hey, this is what we do best and we can help you raise that score, you know, what kind of value would that add to your practice." And and then it's it's an easy discussion at that point.
1: Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up, you know, Mickey and Kahuna because it's the truth is it's the saying goes, right, that the way you do anything is the way you do everything.
0: Mm-hmm. And,
1: and you know, on this show, yeah, Mickey's talked about it. We've had lots of guests and lots of topics where we've talked about, indeed, hiring people to be associates, to be paralegals, to be receptionists, like I just talked about, using technology, you know, using other resources like outsourcing accounting, outsourcing discovery sometimes, outsourcing transcripts, outsourcing whatever you can. And, you know, these are all really the same thing. And. You keep using the word mindset, and I think, I think it's time that we actually define that for the listeners. Like, when we're talking about mindset, we're talking about the way they approach everything. Is that what you're talking about?
2: Exactly, yeah. And most people have never attempted to quantify or kind of score their mindsets. And so how can you improve something that you can't measure? It's very difficult. What I've developed in, in creating this legal technology mindset scorecard is a tool that we can use that kind of looks at eight of the mindsets that have a very significant impact on the success of the firm. And so by helping them put a number on on kind of where they are, first, you know, they might realize like, wow, I didn't realize that I had that mindset. And now that I think about it, I can see how that's impacting my practice.
1: So you've created this thing called the legal technology mindset scorecard that you just mentioned. What I'd like to do is talk about it in two ways. First of all, just like if you can discuss a little bit about how how attorneys can benefit from using it, and then I'd like to actually go through and like go through each of the eight and what they are and what they mean to the law firm.
2: Sure. Just to be upfront. I'd love to go off through eight, but I don't think time will allow. Okay. So I think we we can dive into one. Uh, I'm going to be writing a book on all eight mindsets, and there's there's a lot to cover. So I'd rather dive deep in one instead of you know lightly touch on all eight.
1: Sounds like a good plan.
2: Again, mindset creates behavior, right? It's very easy to score external things that you see. How many client referrals am I getting? What are the firm revenues? How much are we spending on IT services? But what's more important is what drives and what is behind behavior. So this process is a tool to take your initial subjective emotional response, right? So maybe for example, it's how do you feel towards technology? And it allows you to translate it into clear thinking communication and action. And so by taking the qualitative experience of how you feel towards technology and creating a quantitative measurement, this enables you to improve different areas of your practice. So it's a simple scorecard with you know scores of one through 12 on each of the eight mindsets. And you go through and you score yourself, where am I now and where would I like to be? Mm-hmm. And once you have this score, you can then evaluate where your current mindset falls and once you've scored yourself, the decisions and changes you need to make become much more clear. It's kind of one of those things that once you've seen it, you can't unsee it. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and, and most people have never taken the time to really grade themselves. Like, hey, is this mindset that I have helping me or hurting me? So that's kind of where what, what this the, the purpose of this tool is.
1: Yeah. And I know we're not going to go through all eight, but uh, in full disclosure to the audience, I've seen them all. And, uh, and I won't talk through them because if, you know, I, want, I want you to keep the suspense going for your book. But what I will say is that reviewing them, you call this a legal technology mindset. But really, at the end of the day, this is legal business mindset. This is legal entrepreneurship mindset. These things really could speak to, you know, in this show, we talk about marketing and we talk about sales and we talk about people, hiring and being able to retain, uh, recruit and uh, retain and train your A team of people. We talk about the production line and how they get the work done. We talk about the physical plant, which this show is a little bit about, the tools that they use to get the work done. We talk about the money and the metrics. And then we talk about personal development. But all of these things apply to each and every one of those parts. This is really some great thinking that you've done with this. And I think going through this scorecard will really help lawyers to do a self-analysis on where they are entrepreneurially thinking and where they want to be and where their gaps are. Um, do you see that as a utility for it? Absolutely.
2: I mean, only one of the eight, I'm sure as you've seen, is, is really technology specific. Uh, yep. and, and again, that's why you know, our ideal prospect is not a Mac-based law firm. Our ideal prospect is really an entrepreneurially-minded attorney. You know, it's it's the business attorney that's looking to grow because there we can add a tremendous amount of value because they look to maximize all the resources, whether they want to maximize their marketing or their sales or their staff productivity. Technology is just one of those levers that if they choose to focus on invest and maximize can have you know a huge impact so if they are using their accounting and their numbers as a tool as opposed to something they just have to deal with it's the same thing as technology same thing as sales same thing as marketing right and so you look at each one of these levers and if you can apply these mindsets and kind of approach these towards it you're going to build you know a very successful firm so
1: great so tell you what what we're going to do is we're going to take a break here in just a moment And when we come back, um, I'm gonna ask you to just go a little bit deeper as to why only one of the eight is about technology. And then we're gonna dive deep, like you said, we'll dive deep into that one coming up after the break. But for right now, we're gonna take a break and hear from our sponsor. Is your firm experiencing missed calls, empty voicemail boxes, and potential clients you'll never hear from again? Enter Answer One virtual receptionists. They're more than just an answering service. Answer One is available 24 seven. They can even schedule appointments, respond to emails, integrate with Clio, and much more. Answer One helps make sure your clients have the experience they deserve. Give them a call at 1-800-ANSWER-ONE or visit them at answerone.com slash podcast for a special offer. That's answer the number one, dot com,
0: slash podcast. Ready to create and build your own solo or small firm practice? Need a nuts and bolts education on the 360 degree experience of starting a business? There is only one online destination dedicated to helping you achieve your goals. Solo Practice University. The only online educational and professional networking community dedicated to lawyers and law students who want to go into practice for themselves. More than 1,000 classes, 58 faculty and mentors, What are you waiting for? Check out solopracticeuniversity.com today.
1: And we're back. I'm talking to Tom Lambott of Global Mac IT and we're talking about the legal technology mindset. When we went to break, we had begun talking about the legal technology mindset scorecard that Tom has developed and uh, is writing a book about. And uh, we were noticing that of the eight mindsets, and we're not going into all eight of them, but only one of them really talks about technology, and the rest are more entrepreneurship or business-oriented. And I wanted Tom to just describe a little bit more about why – why only, like, it's called the Technology Mindset Scorecard, but only one of them focuses on technology. Why did you feel like it was important to explore these seven other areas?
2: So the title is still a work in progress, uh, just, to, <laughs> just to put that out there, because uh, it, it, it's definitely rambled on my mind saying, is that the best thing to call it? You know, one of them is values technology. The other are things such as people maximizer, uh, responsive openness, strategic thinking, seeks expert counsel. Entrepreneurially minded, attorney, proactive, and future driven are, are the other seven mindsets. And the reason that these are important, again, in doing what we do in Global Mac IT, we are we've really positioned ourselves to be the white glove five star experience of. What we're focusing on this year is shifting our company from being an IT company who solves your printer and email issues, right? You're kind of what you think of support when you call IT, to really being a premier kind of strategic consulting company for law firms who happens to do what we do through technology. And so, in order to find the best type of clients, they need to have successful mindsets. And that's why all these things, you know, seeks expert counsel. If someone doesn't value that, if someone is a do-it-yourselfer that's going to spend a lot of time being a jack-of-all-trades and and they only call an expert when they have absolutely no other possibility to do so, they're not going to value our input, Mm -hmm. right? They're going to spend six hours on Google on a Thursday afternoon to try to fix their printer uh, instead of, of going to an expert right off the bat.
1: Yeah. And what you'll also find, and what I mean, what the listeners really need to focus on is that that's you, because the way you do anything is the way you do everything. You also won't value your expert services. And will, these are the lawyers who will also be discounting to their clients, writing off bills, not sending bills, because you cannot be in integrity with yourself. If you don't value expert counsel on the outside, that means you won't value your expert counsel that you give to others.
2: Mm hmm. Exactly, so that that's why only one is related to technology. You know, technology is just it's just a lever. It's just a tool. Uh, what what's more important to how the relationship is going to work out, whether people are going to value what we do for them and really, you know, put it to use. That's not dependent on what Macs they have and how fast their internet connection is, or if they're using Clio or Rocket Matter. You know that that's all really a, irrelevant. You know, uh, it goes back to a concept towards marketing. Most people approach marketing by trying to apply tactics Mm -hmm. Uh, so they go oh we're going to do a facebook campaign oh we're going to run google ads right but they never stop to really define their strategy first and so this is the same thing so if we want to maximize technology and turn it to this amazing profit generating tool we have to get the strategy right and in order to get the strategy right we have to work with clients who have the right mindset to do that and and really enable and fully power that tool if you will
1: Cool. So let's do that then. Let's let's take that dive and talk about this values technology. And by, by values, it's it's not technology about values. It's whether or not the client, whether or not the attorney, the law firm owner values technology highly. You've labeled this mindset values technology. Can we just go deep a little bit deeper into that now? What is like what are some symptoms or what are how would you describe someone that has a low score on value and technology versus a high score and what it means to their business?
2: Yeah, so when you're going through the scorecard, you know, the, the lowest section is that you view technology as an expense that is to be minimized at all costs and you say, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. This is driving your car until it breaks down as opposed to taking it in for regular oil changes. You know, it's negligence until you have no other choice but to fix it. And I've come across this many times over the years. We, we actually had a client who signed up for our services. This was a couple years ago wrote us a check. He was all in. He wanted to switch from PCs to Macs. We were going to do it all. Uh, we cashed his check, started, and he disappeared, completely fell off the face of the planet. We tried reaching out to him. Silence. Four months later, he calls us back. He says, okay, I'm ready to go now. <laughs> <laughs> and his dad, who he was taking the firm over for, said, "Ah, we got these PCs. They're still working. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. In those four months, two of those PCs went down, one of them three times, the other one completely. So one of his staff was down for four days until they got the system back up. So he went through those experiences. He's like, OK, that mindset of it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, is not going to work. It's not going to get me to where I want to go. So he came back in, you know, more committed than before. And, and now he's on the complete other side. So if you have that mindset, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, you're not going to be able to, to leverage technology.
1: Right. It'll leverage you at that point.
2: Yeah. And the only way it's addressed is reactively, right? When you have no choice. And then you're you you're know, going through a tremendous amount of suffering that's completely unnecessary. The highest score is a score 10 to 12 is you view technology as an investment, a massive profit lever inside your firm that you're always looking to maximize. And I tend to see this mindset from the kind of younger firms, right, with a younger median age, if you will, they're more comfortable with technology. It doesn't mean, you know, I only see those in the younger ages, but it's more typical. And again, when you have those growth mindsets of success, you're like, hey, you're aware of the productivity of your staff. And you're looking for ways to improve that. And so when you have that mindset, you're going to see technology as just one of the many ways that you can do that. You know, So again, there's one thing having a case management solution, Clio, for example. However, I hear from people all the time that have it, and they say, oh, I don't like Clio, it's not working. And then I say, okay, did you just write a check and sign up for Clio and think everything was going to start working? Right? That's how most people rolled it out. So they never invest in the time.
1: The gym the gym membership, uh, the gym membership mentality.
2: Exactly. I'm gonna steal that analogy, by the way. But yeah, that you know, they sign up for it and then they get upset at Clio, you know, six months later because their productivity hasn't increased. And I go, okay, what kind of training have you done? You know, what did you do for the initial rollout to make sure you got buy-in? So there there's specific processes to get to that. So that's kind of the high end and low end. And then some of the middle middle the uh, the, the middle of the pack mindset, so score four to six is You'll do anything you can to extend the life of your computers and only buy new ones when they fail. So that's kind of one step above, like, if any broke, don't fix it. You're still doing it yourself, right? You're still investing a lot of time yourself to kind of deal with the technology. Does that make sense, Chris?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's uh, yeah, it's barely a step above, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: And the next step above, and this is really interesting, so this is a score seven through nine, you have no problem spending money on quality technology and understand it provides your practice with a solid foundation. So this team tends to be in a successful, kind of traditionally successful firm, if you will, and they say, Mm -hmm. okay, computers are a cost of doing business, so they have no problem. Writing a check, buying new computers every three years, but they don't necessarily focus on leveraging that and say, "Hey, how can I really, you know, use these computers? To, how can I turn these into tools as opposed to something my staff just has to work on?"
1: Right. Yeah, we need desks. We need pens. Yeah, we, I guess you yeah, know it's 2016. We need computers, so buy some of those too. But uh, yeah, not understanding the profit leverage.
2: So it's not a failing mindset. It's it's quote-unquote successful here, but they're yep. not really, you know, pushing the boundaries. They they're, they're not using it as a tool. It's like, yeah, I've got the service. It's good. We're happy with it. There's there's no major problems, but there's no major benefit. It's kind of right in the middle.
1: Yeah, what I'd like you to do then because I mean, this is like this is how everybody when they're going to a trade show, when they're going to a computer store, when they're talking to people, A lot of times the sales pitch is about like, yeah, this only costs you $60, $90, $120 a month, but it'll save you so much more, and therefore it's really profitable. And I think to a large extent that goes in one ear and out the other. What are like some top hits when you say that they should see it as an investment and a profit lever? What are some top hits for how they should see technology as a profit lever in their firm? How does it really return on that investment?
2: There's a lot of different ways. You know, first, just the quality of the computers. You know, if you're working on a computer that's more than three years old, you need to buy a new computer because it's costing your staff every day. You know, the one minute, the three minutes to launch a com- turn on a computer, to launch an application, to, you know, OCR, a large PDF document. If it's taken three minutes as opposed to 30 seconds, which the, the current technology can do, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's like the dripping faucet right? It adds up tremendously. It's not a giant pain where it's like, oh, yeah, our law firm didn't lose data. We weren't down for two days. But it's that dripping faucet that adds up continuously that makes a major impact. So, you know, for one, just making sure you've got modern hardware.
1: Yeah, this is, I mean, this even is like, what I'm picturing when you're talking about this is actually I am picturing, and I've been in this law firm, like I'm picturing a law firm where there's a line of four or five, $65 an hour, an hour paralegals and associates waiting for a copier that keeps getting jammed, Mm -hmm. you know, and like it's not broken. It's fine, but it's, and I know this isn't max and this isn't computers, but it's sort of the same thing, right? It's like, it's only costing them. They're, they're standing in line maybe five minutes instead of 30 seconds, but they do that four times a day. And they, that's 20 minutes a day. They do that five days a week. That's an hour and a half. You know they do that every week of the month, and now we've got five hours of someone that cost us sixty-five bucks an hour. That, but I can bill out at one hundred and ninety-five dollars an hour. Now we're talking money. Like that's more than the copier lease for the entire month.
2: Yeah, it adds up fast. So it's those little yeah. things. You know, when you look at it in the scope of one year, five employees, you're like, whoa, I'm actually spending $15,000 a year for them to sit by the printer waiting for it to get fixed. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and then, you know, people don't take the time to quantify those things because it's not painful enough. You know, it's not a blaring pain point. It's not a huge check, you know, that they weren't planning on writing. But, you know, labor is the number one expense for the majority of law firms. Yeah. You know, the, the legal profession, I think, has the, I think it's a fourth most profitable industry, and they also have the fourth highest labor cost. So if you're not diligently focusing on your labor costs, and where you're bleeding time, you know, you're know you bleeding tens of thousands of dollars, and not thinking and approaching and leveraging technology in this way is huge. Uh, I'll give you a simple example. We had a law firm where there was an attorney who didn't know how to edit PDF documents, so simply deleting a page out of a PDF. Mm-hmm. So she would save it onto her flash drive, walk across to the office. Interrupt the office administrator, plug it into her computer, open the file, delete the page, save it back onto the flash drive, and walk back. Wow. Do that step five times a day, 20 days a month. And, you know, they were bleeding time completely unnecessarily because they didn't have the right solution. We said, hey, let's do a little training on PDF management. You know, we brought the whole team in there, and now she doesn't need to do that. And, you know, again, it takes an average of 22 minutes. To get back to the task at hand when you're interrupted
1: yeah so it's not
2: only the attorney there but also the office manager that's interrupted so that's 44 minutes lost every single time looking at those things and again that's why we focus on two sides of the coin so the first is the bottlenecks Where are the things where you're wasting time? Where are the workflows that are just plain stupid? (laughs) Things like that. I mean, there are so many examples like that I could list. And once you fix those, boom, that bottleneck is addressed. Um, And then once you address all the bottlenecks, uh, what we focus on is stabilizing the patient. right? Once we've come in and stabilized the patient and plugged all the holes, then we can get to the fun side and, and say, okay, where can we boost productivity? And that's where there's you know all the different tools and solutions and all the VPNs that people come to hate because they're unreliable and they're slow. So moving to the cloud and you know that's that's where the tactics come in, you know, as a part of the overall strategy.
1: Sure. So what I'd like to do for uh, as we come up towards the uh, end of the show is we've been talking about technology and how technology can be a profit lever in a law firm. How really having the more a success-oriented mindset in this one area, not to mention the other seven, can really reap rewards inside the law firm. But I'd like to just take a moment to look at the law firm owner, because I know there are some people listening to this show right now that are thinking, you know what, they're right, and investing in technology is important, and I'm going to do that. And so, you know what, I've had a Mac, and I'm you know for twenty years, I've installed memory, I am like I am technology proficient. So I'm going to, I, the law firm owner, am going to be the driver of investing and leveraging technology in my law firm. I'm going to wear the IT hat as the owner. And I read a white paper that you've written about this, and I thought it was fascinating. So I'd like, if you can, let's just spend like five minutes talking through what issues you see with the owner wearing the IT hat.
2: Sure, so there's four kind of core concepts that I've built this this kind of discussion, which I've had many times, like you said, I wrote the white paper um, and and so the first concept is so what you want to do is the problem with wearing the i t hat so wearing the i t hat like you said, is the you know solo attorney or the small firm owner you know, who's, uh, I mean, when you start up a firm, you're in the grassroots, you know, for the majority of people, unless you have, a, a, you know, a ton of money sitting around and, and you're comfortable starting up. But most people start up in a grassroots kind of thing, which is a good thing in my mind. But that also means that initially you're not, you're not hiring people to help you out with anything. You're doing everything on your own. And the problem specifically in, in my field with using Mac using attorneys, is there's a lot of people that think, oh, Macs are easy. So yeah. I'll just take care of IT myself. Right? But the problem is that the Mac operating system is easy. The whole technology that affects your firm, you know, it's like the iceberg. You know, 10% above, that's the Mac operating system. 90% below is the networking, the firewalls, the security, the employee setup, and, and, you know, all these different things. So the four concepts that help you quantify the cost of wearing the IT hat. The first one is just a simple time analysis. So simple numbers, okay? Like we talked about, you know, a few minutes ago, it takes 22 minutes to get back to the task at hand every time you're interrupted. So first thing you want to do is is quantify how many times do I help out for the IT-related things, right? If Susie's printer doesn't work, does she walk into your office, stop the work you're doing, and you get up and go help her with her printer. So all those kind of interruptions. So, you've got the time you're spending dealing with little issues, also the time you spend running updates. And when do you do this? You're doing this at night, you're doing this on the weekends because you typically have a hard time justifying it during prime billable hours. So, instead of sacrificing your billable hours, you're sacrificing your family time. Um, You know, personally, I have a very high value on, you know, work life balance. You know, I work 8 30 to 4 PM every day and I don't work on the weekends. I don't work evenings. And that's because I've set those barriers. And I know in the legal profession it's very taxing. So one of our things we focus on is how can we improve that for our clients? And this is a big thing. So we say, hey, if you can just stop dealing with that, that's going to free up a lot of time. It's going to give you more free time and rest and time with your kids and your, you know, your partner, etc. The second core concept is we'll just deal
1: with it. And uh, hmm. can you guess where this is going, Chris? I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing this at the bottom level of the values technology mindset. Like, this is, mm-hmm. it, okay, it's broke.
2: Yeah, 100% of the times we've taken over IT for a firm, who from for someone who was taking care of IT internally, there is always a lot of what I call suffering and silence going on. So what happens here is the staff knows that the head attorney is swamped has more work to do than he has time and so the last thing they want to do is interrupt and bother that person when they have a little email issue or a little printer issue or they don't know how to ocr a document or something small so instead of telling them like hey this is a problem and it wastes time they just sit there and deal with it and suffer in silence Mm. again 15 minutes per day times five people over 20 days a month is six hours of lost productivity so what is your fully burdened labor rate? Not do you pay someone 25 bucks an hour, right? Usually you add about 30% on top of that for all the other costs. So, you know, six times, you know, 40 bucks, 240 bucks lost, you know. um,
1: And that's just on the cost side. And what you really should be looking at is on the unbilled time side. What could you build these people out at? And then you get really upset.
2: Yeah. Um, and, and that adds up you know, extremely fast, so the, the, we'll just deal with it. The next concept is what I call the hobbyist principle. And I believe very, very strongly on this. And again, this actually falls on the mindset. When you spend time being a jack-of-all-trade, you can't ever be a master in anything. Think about how much time and money was spent towards becoming an attorney. And no matter what you do, if it's not the one thing you do best, you are a hobbyist. Okay, why don't I, can I, you know, self-represent instead of hiring an attorney? Sure. But if I brought it up to any attorney who knows what they're doing, they can talk me out of that pretty darn quick, right? I know many attorneys who have given me examples of clients that, man, if they would have called me six months ago, I could have saved them tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars because we were done the right thing right off the bat. Yep. Right, as opposed to trying to me playing a hobbyist attorney and represent myself and messing things up left and right uh, we have cleaned up for a tremendous amount of attorneys, you know, that's where the idea of stabilizing the patient has come from. What I find when attorneys are, are playing, you know, IT guys, they will quite often create Rube Goldberg uh, devices. <laughs> you know what those are? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, For the listeners who aren't familiar because I was not Google it. my clients. just Google it. Just Google it, yeah. It's, it's the zipper that takes 80 steps to unzip a sweater, right? It's kind of the machine for that. So there's way more complexity and it's just a, you know, just a, a nest of of pain that we have to unravel. So that's the hobbyist principle of that kind of idea. And the final one is just simple ROI. You know, what is your return on spending your time doing IT work? You know, you talked about this, uh, you know, earlier, and I think it's a regular point that's discussed on this podcast, but if you can pay someone, you know, 150 bucks an hour to do something, and it takes them one hour, as opposed to you spending four hours Googling around and trying to figure it out, when your billable rate's 250, it's simple math, right? But the problem with that happens when people take care of their own IT is that there's no line item on the balance sheet. Mm-hmm. So there's a false belief. They go, oh, this is great. My IT bill last year was only 1200 bucks. This is awesome. But they don't calculate the lost ROI. They don't calculate the cost against their family. They don't calculate the loss of productivity from their entire staff having to deal with all these issues. You know, so that's my kind of core idea there with the the hidden cost of wearing the IT hat.
1: Clearly. All right. So we've got about 30 seconds left. Can you give a quick hit to the listeners of, you know, this has been, I think, fantastic information. But in about 30 or 45 seconds, just tell them what steps can they take? Can the attorney law firm owners take to improve their use of technology?
2: So... You know, kind of tied to what I've been discussing here, I I would think an easy step would be to take the scorecard, the legal technology mindset scorecard, and see where they end up and where they want to be. Once you quantify, saying, hey, do I have a mindset that is helping me or hurting me towards technology? And I think once they do that, it'll be a lot easier for them to think of strategies. You know, I, I would say don't do it on your own. You know, if you are the IT person right now, there's all the things you don't know, you don't know.
1: Hmm. those are the dangerous
2: that, ones. That are the dangerous ones. You know, there's so many things that every firm should have in place that, you know, I would say 95% of the time they don't have these things, we, you know, when we first come on. Just security concerns. I mean, the, the list goes on and on.
1: So how can they get their hands on the Legal Technology Mindset scorecard then?
2: They can go to globalmacit.com forward slash scorecard. And I'm gonna create kind of a sign up form. I'll try to have something ready by whenever this goes live. Uh, but Excellent. at a minimum, I'll have a sign-up form so I can keep them in touch. I, I, I've spent about six months last year developing and, and building this. Uh, so now that I've got the thing, I've got a package and, and find a way to kind of get it out to people. So that's where they can sign up to get more information. Uh, and I might be able to give kind of early access to some people. I, I don't know the details, but that's where they can start to at least uh,
1: Perfect. keep in touch about it. Fantastic. So... That wraps up this edition of the Unbillable Hour, the Law Business Advisory Podcast. Our guest today has been a pleasure. It's been Tom Lambot. Tom is also the author of Hassle-Free Mac IT Support for Law Firms and Legal Boost, Big Profits Through an IT Transformation. He also has a forthcoming book being published by the ABA Law Practice Division titled Macs in Law. So you've had a brother-in-law, you have a sister-in-law, now you have Max-in-law. You can learn more about Tom by going to www.globalmacit.com. His Twitter handle is at GlobalMacIT. He's on Facebook at GlobalMac and LinkedIn at Tom Lambot. And of course, this is Christopher Anderson. And I look forward to seeing you next month with another great guest as we learn more about topics that help us build the law firm business that works for you. Remember, you can subscribe to all the editions of this podcast at legaltalknetwork.com or on iTunes. Thanks for joining us,
0: and we will see you again soon. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of nor are they endorsed by Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. Join us again for the next edition, right here with Legal Talk Network.
1: Learn by doing with Practicing Law Institute's award winning on demand interactive programs.